welcome to the Untitled Podcast, a place where labels are eliminated and individuality is embraced. Every other week, I invite friends and mentors to discuss how to conquer stereotypes, eliminate labels, and embrace our story. I am your host, Allison, and I am Untitled. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Untitled. We are so excited you guys joined us today. Um, today's topic is going to be one for the books. So you guys don't want to miss it. Um, turn off your TVs, silence your phones, because we are going to get into some um, pretty cool things. So for those that don't know me, my name is Allison. I am the founder and host of Untitled, and it is an honor and privilege to do this with um, with my friends, my family, um, the interviewees of this podcast. So I'm excited to be here. Um, today's topic is going to be over fathering a fatherless generation. So I have invited my friend, Tony. Say hi, Tony. Hello. How y'all doing? You're on this side, actually, not this side. I was over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and really kind of, you know, where this topic stemmed from is, um, you know, I couldn't think of a better person to tag team. So I've known Tony for close to two years now. Um, we go to the same church and I've always admired how he set the example of fatherhood in his kids. So his kids are young. He has Josiah, Layla, and Nate. Um, how old is Josiah, Tony? Nine, 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 seven, and six. Oh my gosh. So nine, seven, and six, a bunch of young babies, um, young babies, little kids. And, you know, what I've always admired is that, you know, Tony is, as one of our, you know, pastors in the church, he um, constantly is, you know, helping with altar calls and, and praying over people. And I'll never forget, I remember sending you this picture, Tony, of you praying for a guy who was, you know, basically laid out on the floor and your kids, you know, stood right next to you, hands on him, praying for him too. And for me, um, I've always appreciated those small things because some, I would say most people in that room probably didn't see that or notice it. Um, but for me, I thought, man, that's so cool. I kind of wish I had an upbringing like that. I wish I had a father to have, um, done that with you know and and there's nothing wrong everyone has their own story my father is a wonderful man i love him to death um and it's okay i didn't have those experiences because now i get to aspire to have those experiences with my own yeah. kids one day um not me as a mother but hopefully whenever my future husband shows up still waiting <laughs> um but when i saw that i thought to myself how does how does someone like tony get this right not someone like Tony. How did, Tony's a relatively young guy. He's 28 years old. Um, he's a career man. He's a husband. But it's like, how how do so many others get this wrong? Um, and this really isn't to shame mothers and fathers, um, to shame men, to um, you know bash them. This isn't. That's not what this message is about. It's just really simply an opportunity um, for self reflection of the privilege of being a father um, yeah. and kind of how we're called to play this role in the natural um and in the spiritual like how do we, how do we you know turn our kids to to god our father um and allow him to you know parent co-parent with us right you know we're selected as parents for our kids on this earth those are they're god's gifts to us they're not really ours or god's gifts so um you know he's anointed you and and blessed you with this opportunity so how do we steward that and steward it well um, so that's what today's topic's about. And I'm super excited because um, in this generation society we live in today, our, we do have a relatively fatherless generation. You know, men, you know, have babies and um, sometimes are great fathers. And sometimes they take a path of just paying child support, 
um, or seeing their kids when they can make time for them, but that's it. And so um, I really hope it kind of, you know, shakes the people who are listening to this um, at their core to either want to be better men and fathers um, or just to maybe they are great dads in the natural, but haven't relied on that spiritual side of our heavenly father. So um, that being said, I'm going to let Tony introduce himself and we're going to do some really fun Q&A and then we'll get into the topic. All right, Tony, it's all yours. So my name is Tony Hernandez. Uh, I'm 28 years old. I'm one of the pastors at Oasis Church, really the director of outreach and missions alongside my wife, Roxanne Hernandez. Uh, I have three awesome, amazing children, Josiah, Gabriel, um, Nathaniel, Xavier, and Azalea Grace. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an honor and joy to uh, even be on here, Allison. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe that uh, Christ's likeness and manhood are synonymous. I believe being a father is a matter of choice and a responsibility, not a matter of a piece of paper or your name on a certificate. So I took the responsibility and the choice to be a father. And as that, as is as, as, as being said that, that to be Christ-like is to step into your manhood in, in, in my belief, you know? Um, so if you're going to be a man, if you're going to be a father, if you're going to be, you know, those things that God called you to be, um, it is taking on that responsibility and leading them to be like Christ or to put on that new nature. Does that make sense? Right. Yep, it does. It does. That's good. Um, what are kind of like some passions and hobbies of yours, Tony? Oh, some passions and hobbies. I got a lot of passions and hobbies. Um, I like to just walk on the beach and, you know, take long walks on the park. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love I love reading the word. I love praying. I love ministering to people. Um, some hobbies I like to do with, you know, my wife. Sometimes we go out and uh, we do what I call treasure hunts where I'll just begin to just tell people about themselves um, and I've never met them. So that's a pretty cool hobby I like to do. Um, some other things I like to do is, uh, you know, just uh, uh, gardening. I found out that I like gardening. It settles my ADHD. You know, um, to, to just, uh, pick weeds out. You know, I found that out doing that at the church, um, you know, planning. Um, that's another hobby of mine. And also building. I like building and taking things apart um, as my trade. My trade is that of an electrician. I do electrical work, um, have my own electrical business. And so, yeah, those are some hobbies I like I like to do in uh, studying. I'm, I'm, I'm a secret geek. Don't tell nobody else. OK, I'm, I'm a. Um, undercover geek. I like studying history, church history. Um, I love studying the Greek. Uh, I love studying the Hebrew. I love, you know, studying the the, the Peshetta, uh, you know, which was the original New Testament in Aramaic. But anyway, that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're taking us down another path here. I love it. <laughs> Honestly, um, Tony and I were laughing before this, but, you know, our pastor, he was, you know, a missionary in West Africa for many years with his father and his pastor all over the world. And we were kind of laughing at him because Tony in a way kind of resembles that same like geek and studying. And sometimes our pastor will say something, you know, he'll explain all this stuff in history and in the Greek and the Hebrew. He's like, y'all know that, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And everyone's like, Literally. You do know, you do know that the, that, that the, you know, historical uh, desert fathers did preach for such and such years. No, nobody knows about the desert fathers. Stop, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cody has some idea, but like 95% of us, 99% of us have no idea what you're talking about. So you do know that hupostagio means to understand, right? No, nobody don't know what hupostagios means. <laughs> I love it. He'll, he'll get a crack out of that. We tell him <laughs> but, 
All right, so let's do some Q&A, Tony. So for those that are confused as to why I keep looking here, it's because this is my screen. This is my teleprompter for the day. So, um, all right. So we're gonna keep this fun. Nothing crazy, nothing serious, but tell us your best funny dad movie. I would have to say Stepdad One and Two with uh, Mark Wahlberg and um, um, William Farrell. Th those 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 are pretty awesome. It, it, me and me and the boys laugh about about that. They actually like they actually enjoy watching that movie. You know, even though yeah. some of the some of the scenes are inappropriate, it's all right. You know, they they yeah. school shows them worse. <laughs> Growing up, my favorite dad movie was um, Big Daddy with Adam Sandler. Also oh, very appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good movie. There's so many lines from that movie. It's it's silly. It's bad. <laughs> I want <write> my own. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know almost every line in that movie. I watched it so much. <laughs> I know. Same here. Same here. All right, Tony. So you're a dad. Um, tell us a dad joke. One that I got the boys to look at me really stupid on was, what kind of person was Boaz before he got married? And they said, I don't know. I said, ruthless. Duh. <laughs> and they're like, Really, Dad? Really? Yeah, that, especially Josiah. My son is so intellectual. Like, you got to be sophisticated and, you know, know what you're talking about. If not, he's going to Google it and prove you wrong. And so yeah. he's like, you got that from Google, Dad. Hey, so why are you busting my bubble for, bro? Come on. Why can't you just enjoy the joke? I love it. I love it. That is super funny. That's good. That's like a, a funny uh, Christian dad joke. We'll have to make a, a line for that one. Um, all right. Most embarrassing dad moment most embarrassing dad was recently when we moved into our new house my my son josiah and they they play with this older kid um who, who's like the fastest kid and i pride myself because i was always the fastest person the fastest kid i was i would i was always a new kid on the block and i would beat everybody well my my my, my um go happy go lucky self was priding that and you know running my mouth about it and I said man I'll beat I'll beat that kid I'll dust him he's you know in fifth grade <laughs> and I decide in the summer to race this kid with bare feet on the concrete so we say ready set go and he's you know I, I let him get a five second head start and he gets a five second head start and I'm like right behind him and I feel the concrete peeling the bottom of my feet and it is burning. And I finally stopped and I gave up and I was like pouncing around there like, ah, ow, my feet, my feet. And my sons like look like they lost their puppy or something. They're like, dad, you lost. I was like, but I gave him a five second head start. And it has been the neighborhood talk amongst all the kids that this kid beated me. And it was so embarrassing because, like, I, because my son, of course, you know, he's just like his mother. He's so meticulous, likes everything organized and everything. He's like, Dad, you need to put shoes on. You should put shoes on. I'm like, no, it's going to be quick. I'm going to dust this kid. I should have listened to my son. You know, it was very embarrassing that, number one, I got beat. Number two, I even gave him a five-second head start. Number three, I should have listened to my son, you know, the the, the eight-year-old then, to put shoes on. But no, yeah. I'm macho. I, I, I know everything, right? I'm grown up. So, yeah, that was probably the most embarrassing moment. And this kid had the hot, because, you know, his parents aren't really around. So, you know, he had the highlight of his, of his, of his, um, of his summer 
summer vacation that he beat me, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah that was the most embarrassing moment. <laughs> an old man, he just thinks he's like, I beat someone's dad. Like that's, that's what he's hanging his hat on right now. Yeah, pretty much. And my kids are like, yeah, you're not even fast no more, dad. You're getting old. Bro, I'm still in my prime. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So this Q&A is a little different. So um, it's called finish this sentence, but it's um, for your kids. So it says, and this could really pertain to any of them. So just go, go off what comes first. Um, I love, I love it when my dad does blank. Plays Fortnite with me. Okay, love it. That must be Josiah and Nate. Probably Nate, right? All three of them. <laughs> all three of them. They all it. play video games, which is completely opposite for me because I do not play video games. I hate video games. I'm barely trying to get involved with video games because everybody plays video games. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Um, okay, next question. My dad tells me every night before I go to bed, blank. Well, I always tell them I love them. You know, I always say, I love you. Uh, angels be with you while you're sleeping. Um, I always tell them that every morning or every every night before they go to sleep. All right. I love that. Love it. Um, my favorite thing to do with my dad is blank. So with Leia, it'd be laying down watching TV with me. With Nate, it would be undoing stuff with me. He likes to work with me or, or, or work beside me. And Josiah yeah. is he likes to drive with me. He likes to drive around with me when it's just me and him. Nice. That's so cool. That's so, we're going to get into some questions later about how you conform to each child. Um, I don't know if children have love languages, but that's kind of like the, the term that they I'm asking for. But they yeah, do. it's just how do you love them individually in their own ways? So I love that. Um, and then you've already told an embarrassing story, but this question says, my dad embarrasses me when he does blank. Uh, when I tell people or point out that they farted or burped loud. Uh, I'm like, bro, did you just fart? You know, and they're looking at me like, Dad, shut up, you know. <laughs> I'm like, hey, say excuse me, you know, why are you burping all in my ear? Yeah, yeah. if you're gonna to someone, at least like apologize afterwards, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I embarrass him pretty much with that. I love it, I love it so much. Okay, all right, let's get into this. I'm super excited. Okay, um, so. I think really, Tony, where I kind of want to kick this topic off of is just kind of some context of my personal life. Um, I, so my parents split when I was in the fifth grade, I was primarily raised by my mother. Um, And I wouldn't say I had a very absent father. I mean, seasons definitely, you know, depicted that there was times where um, he worked a lot, so I didn't see him a lot. And there was times where I did see him a lot. There was times where my parents were arguing, so I didn't see him a lot. And there's times where they were fine and they got along well, so I did see him. So um, growing up, like before my parents split, I was absolutely a daddy's little girl. I mean, I'd go ask my mom if I can go to a friend's house and then she'd say no. So I go to my dad and he's like, yeah, just get your stuff together. I'll go drop you off. And I was like, okay, you know, my dad said, I so that's what I'm going to do. And then I'll be gone. My mom's like, where's Alice? And he's like, I dropped her off at a friend's house. And my mom's like, I told her she couldn't go. And he's like, I told her she could go. So, <laughs> you know, um, but really, you know, there are some really small and very specific memories that I have of my dad and I, um, especially when I was younger, especially when we lived together. And even as I got older and he'd come visit us, I remember him doing the same thing. So 
I don't have this actually listed or notes, but my dad, when he would get home from work, <clears throat> he would um, watch TV. He would lay down on the couch and he would lay down like on his side and his legs kind of made this like little triangle at the end of the couch. And I would crawl like in between the couch and that little triangle. So basically I was like sitting by his butt. Um, <laughs> I would, like, I'd sit there and I'd lean on him, right? And um, if he needed something, I got it for him. Like that's just kind of, those really small little memories, I feel like sometimes are, those will be forever burned. Like even when we were adults, he would do that. And I would like, as big as I am, like try to squeeze in there and be like, I can still fit here, you know? And I think it's very similar as Christians, sometimes how we over-spiritualize our relationship with our heavenly father, that if it's not this big significant memory or this big significant thing that he's done for us, we don't remember it as much. And I'm like, I think sometimes we have to break it down. It's like God, God's in the details of our life and he's into the small things and the big things and the funny things. And, um, you know, in preparation for this episode, I reached out to a lot of amazing fathers, a lot of amazing fathers that go to our church. Um, and it literally, I was telling Tony before this, it brought me to tears to know how well these men sewer their privilege of being a father, like literally like not an hour ago, like as I was finishing preparing for this, like I was weeping um, because I think sometimes, you know, our society, the men have taken for granted what it's like to be a father and, and how much um, of an honor it is. And I, um, I know that God is going to use this episode with Tony and myself to really um, just kind of, like I said, take us to our core um, and really how to lean into being better, you know, natural fathers, you know, here on earth, but also how do we bring in, um, our heavenly father to co-parent this, this journey with us. So, um, and the journey's forever long guys, like people always say, like, I don't know if you've heard that saying where they're like, Oh, they're my children, but uh, they're only mine until they're 18. Nah, man, I'm 30 years old. And my dad still calls me every single day. He talks me with something, hears me cry, like figure something out with me. So the father journey is not an 18-year commitment. It's a lifetime commitment. And it's the same exact commitment that our Heavenly Father has given us here on this earth. So, whew, that's a lot. But so I want to start with this question, Tony. Um, as a father to, to your children, how do you exemplify our Heavenly Father's characteristics to them? So just real quick, um, with, with my upbringing, um, I didn't have a father. Um, my father was absent. For, for most of my life. Um, he was always in prison. And when he did get out, <clears throat> I got to spend about a year and a half with him. And, you know, just like you said, the little details, I, one thing that I remember that I would always do every morning I would wake up was that I, he was always laying down on the couch or on the floor and uh, we would play Superman, which I would run and jump in midair and he would catch me because he was a very, he was 6'2", pretty stout, very swole guy. You know, he had that penitentiary body, all upper chest, no legs, you know. Yeah. Um, so, and he would catch me and I would f act like I was flying, like I was, like I was Superman, you know. And so that, that even, even at five, six years old, seven years old, that, that seared into, in, into my brain, even as a grown man, you know, that I remember. And so, and when he passed away, I felt like everything in my life came crumbling down because the very person that I looked for to be the compass of my life, to be the guide to manhood was gone, taken away, because that's what fathers are. They are the compass. They are the guide. They are the very tool that God uses to show and steer young men into manhood. 
you know? And so I really had to lean on the Holy Spirit, you know, to, to show those characteristics um, of the Father. Um, if, if, I, if I can share a quick, quick, you know, understanding of scripture, when Jesus, when Jesus was um, at the, at, when Jesus was at, was at the Jordan River, the Bible says that there came a voice from heaven and it said, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased of, right? Yeah. And there was a dove that ascended upon him. Well, what a lot of people don't understand was that Jesus had to go through the isolation and rejection of fatherhood his whole 30 years of manhood. Why? Because Joseph was his stepfather. In order for a Jewish boy to have a bar mitzvah, they had to have their biological father be present thereof. Because what the biological father would do after the young man would recite their bar mitzvah was they would put their son on their shoulders and around the Torah seven times, they would walk around saying, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased of. This is my beloved son who I'm well pleased of, announcing their identity and announcing their legacy. But Jesus did not have his biological father there. He had his stepfather, so he was not allowed to recite his bar mitzvah. So he had to endure that isolation. He had to endure that scru scrutiny. So the only other time a Jewish man could be told that was at his age 30, which was the year he could, his rabbinical year, which was the year of the rabbi. So he had to wait till he was 30 years old, and then the father announced his identity. So he had to wait 30 years for the revelation of his identity. So I had to wait until I received my identity from the father. Even though my father was not present, I had my heavenly father always looking down on me. And when he revealed my identity, then I could say, man, now I know who I am. And once you catch the revelation of who you are, you don't want to be anybody else. So when I'm always depending on the Holy Spirit, you know, to show and guide me, that is my position in life is to reveal the identity of my children, just like the father revealed my identity. So I'm constantly looking ahead saying, Lord, what are you showing me about my son, my daughters? How can I pull out their, you know, their, 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 their destiny? How can I pull out the gold that's on, on the inside of them? How can I pull out the king and the queen in them when they're acting like a fool per se? So I'm always trying to look at the at the at the gold in them so yeah that, that's that's one thing that i had to understand was that revelation of jesus you know because what happened with jesus after the announcing of his identity he got tested so i'm always going to have to uh, pull out that identity in them just like the father does for us because it, life will hit them life yeah. will hit them life will come against them and will they have the tools and the methods will you show them as a father and that's one thing the lord had to show me will you show them as a father uh, the, you know, as, as a steward, will you show them how to handle life the way I've shown you how to handle life? You know, so, um, yeah, that, that's that's one thing I do is constantly lean on the uh, on the Holy Spirit and try to break cycles, man, um, that, that I grew up, you know, um, um, having, you know. Uh, I hope so, that, that answers the question. No, that's perfect. Um, so not to throw you off, I'm going to jump around a little bit because you just kind of sparked something that I want to ask you next instead of following this. Um, this guideline, but you said something about, um, you know, once they know their identity, they become tested. And I feel like one of the questions we have is, you know, how do you still remain a good father, but don't get in the way of God testing your children? And essentially it's like allowing them to learn these lessons. Um, and how do you kind of recognize like, Hey, like they have to go through this to get somewhere because God needs to take them there. 
or, hey, do, do my children actually need like a, a physical protection, a, a covering right now? Um, I feel like that's real deep. So I'm gonna let you answer that. But I just, there, it's, I couldn't imagine it's an easy thing to decipher at all. It's not, it's definitely not, especially with my, my, my um, oldest son, uh, Josiah. <clears throat> um, he's, well, I believe all my kids, you know, have a destiny. And one thing we did with each and one of them is we had prophets, you know, um, pray over them and declare their, their, that each one of them was named off of the prophetic word that was given to them. So they're not named their names just by accident. They were specifically named their names because of their destiny that they have on them. And one thing that Josiah was prophesied um, by the late Bishop Ron Carpenter, um, he said that he said that he would be a voice in his generation tearing down idols, um, tearing down, tearing down um, idols in his generation to, you know, put put back the name of Christ, per se. And that's one thing that he always struggles because my son is so intellectual and there's sometimes he doesn't understand why we put um, boundaries around him. You know, there's certain stuff we don't allow him to watch. There's certain stuff that we don't allow him to listen to. And sometimes he gets so frustrated because he doesn't understand why. And we always have to constantly, you know, remind him like, son, who are you? And he'll say, I'm a son of God. Because that's something we instilled in him. We didn't, we didn't instill Christianity as just a routine or practice. We instilled it into him as a lifestyle because he would see me at five, six in the morning, getting up and praying. He would see people coming to our house and demons getting cast out. He would see people coming over to our house and people getting healed or filled with the Holy Ghost, with the baptism of, the, uh, of speaking in tongues. Like he didn't see um, just this facade of Christianity. He got to see Christianity in his organic form. He got to see Christianity in its authentic form, naturally being supernatural. So it became second nature to him. So all these things that, that, that when he would like have nightmares, when he would have, you know, bad dreams, we would, you know, we would let him express himself. That's one thing we're big on is letting our kids express himself. Son, what, what, what was it that you had a dream of? Or why are you so scared? Why are you so fearful? And he would, you know, he would begin to express himself. And we'd never try to downplay that or say, oh, you're just a kid, go away. Or you're going to do what I say when I say, because I mean, when you, when you say that as a, as a father, as a parent, they're going to, they're going to hold into that. They're going to feel silence because all they hear is, you got to do what I say when I say. They never get to feel the um, creative expressions that God has given them. They never get to express themselves as, as individuals. So um, that's one thing that, that we try to pray into is what is each of their destiny and what is going to be their, their, um, their, their testing, you know? Um, uh, and, and one thing that, 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 that specifically comes to mind is that there was a, a time that, that this young man was being mean to my son. And he wanted to snap right back. He wanted to, you know, retaliate. Because I did show, I, I did show my children how to defend themselves, you know, because I was in boxing. So I did show them how to defend themselves. And I said, "Son, is that the right thing to do? What is the right thing to do?" And he said, "Pray for them." Like that, that was second nature. Like I didn't have to like beg him. I didn't have to tell him or you know give him certain clues. It was second nature for him to say, "Pray for them." I said, "Well, is that is that something you think you should do?" Yes. And yes. I truly believe he didn't say that because daddy wanted to hear that. I yeah. truly believe that because that was in his heart. Because yeah. that's something we stewarded. That's something, you know, we, we, we try to let them fall down. We try to let them learn from their mistakes. Because one thing that is, they will repeat to you if you tell them this, every, every decision you make has a consequence, whether good or bad. 
and they will recite that to you. So that's one thing that I instill to them. The second thing I instill to them is to my boys, real men tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Real men will always tell the truth. No matter what you did, no matter what you've done, real men will always be honest because they know daddy doesn't like two things, liars and thieves. Because I work hard for what I've gotten and I'm always telling the truth. So that is two things that they know daddy do not does not like. And that's one thing that they know that I will always have their back. They know that that, that I will always defend them as long as they always tell me the truth. And they yeah. always tell me, it's very rare when my kids don't tell me the truth. And even when they, they know they've messed up, they, they, they will tell me the truth. And I believe it's because I instilled that to them that I'm always walking with honesty. I'm always yeah. walking with integrity. And I'm always, I'm always going to have their back. You know, even when they're in the wrong, I'll have their back. Yeah. Yeah, that brings me to um, another question that, that we have listed here, which is um, you mentioned earlier sort of you know, him not under, you know, Josiah not really understanding the boundaries of, of a kid. And really it's like, how do you combat the influences of the world? And, you know, this goes into such, I mean, it's such a crazy topic. It's actually, I mean, I desire to be a mother one day, Tony, but it's one of the reasons I'm most fearful to bring kids into this world because of how corrupt the world is right now. And, um, I mean, it's always been corrupt, right? But it's just the influences that that can get into our kids' hearts and brains are so, they're everywhere. They're in, they're in the restaurants we go to and the music we listen to, the movies we watch, the schools they go to. Um, it's, it's everywhere. And I think of a couple of things, you know, um, even as much as like, you know, playing video games and like people killing each other or listening to certain songs and then talking about inappropriate things and kind of working their minds into um, you know, that sex is okay. And, you know, drugs are okay and all this stuff. And then, you know, I even think about, I had a coworker not long ago, an ex coworker actually come to me, um, that her middle school daughter had like come to her basically saying that she was asexual. Um, and like, thanks for accepting me being a part of the LGBTQIA, you know, group. And she's like, do you know what that means? And she's like, I just basically know like, this is what I want. And this is what I don't want. And essentially what happened was there was a group of people, a group of girls at school that were like, it was like a cool thing to be a part of the community. It's like, if you were bisexual, if you were this, if you were that, and it's, you know, we release our children, we call a hedge of protection over them every day when they go into these public schools or private schools, it doesn't really matter. Um, But how do you protect their innocence when there's stuff like that happening every single day out there? And, um, again, super fearful for someone like myself who just aspires to be a good parent, but also allow them to, um, I don't believe in sheltering your children. Like there's no bad in the world because there is a lot of bad in the world, but you know, how do you protect them as a father? How do you help navigate those, those windy roads with them? Does that make sense? Yeah. So number one is you're not going to be able to protect them. You can guide them and put boundaries around them. And I I was listening to a book, um, um, 10, 10 steps, a strong father, what is it? 10 rules a strong father must have for a strong daughter. And she's a, a, she's a doctor, a psychiatrist, a sociologist. And she said that statistically, um, it, it was, uh, was it in the eighties that they were being taught sex ed at 14, 15, her 10 year old son, this was in the, uh, I think 2005, 2006, so about 10 years ago, um, 20 years ago, um, that her 10 year old son was, you know, learning what, you know, what sex ed was. 
and that like I like I, I was listening to the podcast. I was like, "What are you crazy?" And it's very true. It is very true. And one thing that me and my wife did, you know, um, early on is that we're going to be honest with our kids. We're not going to try to shelter or hide anything because then that's what's going to ponder their curiosity. Um, you know, it's kind of like if you say, don't look at that tree, don't look at that tree, don't that tree right there. Don't look at yeah. more, more than nine times out of 10. They're going to look at that exact same tree you told them not to look at. So I'm going to explain to them what that tree is. Um, one thing that, that, that I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm an honest person. I, I will not lie to my kids, man. And um, I will, I will kind of shield them or change this topic, but I won't lie to them. I'll explain to them. Even Josiah's had some of those very questions. You know, what is gay marriage? What is, you know, what is homosexuality? And we've explained it to him. He's nine years old, you know, and, and, and we, uh, we show him what the Bible says, but I have boundaries. And that's one thing that fathers have to understand is that they are the line of the jungle. When the lion roars, everybody in the jungle, the zebra, everybody becomes silent. Why? Because he's the king of the jungle. And so when I lay boundaries and I lay rules, those are rules. You know, we, we live for Christ. We are Christians. We accept everybody. Just because we accept them doesn't mean we condone them. You know, we don't judge people. We uh, we embrace everybody. So there's rules that I've taught my kids that we don't make fun of people just because they're different from from us. You know, because I was made fun of a lot. You know, being you know um, being the new kid everywhere, and you know always you know looking funny because I had these big old Urkel glasses with no teeth for for the longest time, and I, I had a whole platinum grill so i was always made fun of so one thing that that i I'm, I'm very big on is is accepting people so we gotta lay those rules and those foundations you gotta have a foundation for your children to follow because if there is no foundation then there is no house that can be built and they know that for me in my house we shall serve the lord we go to church you know we we serve the lord we pray and um that's why i'm i'm, I'm very blessed and honored that I got to instill that into my kids early on and that they got to see that um, not as talk, but as walking, that they see me and my wife pray together, that they see us praying for people, that they see, you know, when people call me and say, hey, can you pray for me? That it's not just like, oh, yeah, I'm praying for you, that they'll see me and my wife grab hands and be on the floor praying out for them, you know, crying out for those people, you know, that they see it as a lifestyle. And I believe that's very, very important is that you have to walk what you preach. You have to do what you preach. If not, then they, your children will be persuaded by any doctrine, any, any, any teaching. Um, but if they don't have no foundation, if they don't have no structure, then there's nothing to give them room to say, okay, this is wrong, this is right, this is bad, this is good, this is what I'm taught as a Christian, and this is what I'm taught, you know, what society tries to tell me. Even Josiah, you know, um, the, the other ones are still a little young. Um, Josiah, you know, he... <laughs> for Halloween, he told he told some of his uh, we got a, a call from his teacher uh, because he was over there telling kids that witches are real because his daddy cast him out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that was a wonderful that was a wonderful conversation to have. I didn't have my wife had it with the school teacher. Um, the, you know, the, that's why he doesn't dress up as wick, uh, witches and, and as demons because they're real. So that, that made me happy as a father. But I told yeah. him, son, just because they do that doesn't mean you have to downplay their beliefs. You know, yeah. um, even though you know it's real, you know, even though you know that there is a spiritual world, you know, um, that doesn't mean you have 
to criticize people. And he's like, I know, but I just got really excited. So, it's, you know, showing them wisdom, how to use wisdom in their zeal and with their fire. But again, you got to have that foundation. You got to have yes. that structure. You got to have those boundaries, you know, because yes. that's what children need. They need boundaries. They need a foundation. They need structure. They need a, a guide to show them. They need a map, a compass to show them, guide them. And that's what fathers do. They are that structure. They are the boundaries. Uh, you know, the mother is the nurture and the father is the, you know, what they call the disciplinary or they're the ones that instill that. Because if, if mommy says it, they're like, yeah, that's cool. But when daddy said it, it's like, oh my God, okay. Kind of like how you said, you know, if, if, if your mother said you can't go, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, that's cute. But because yeah. you knew that you could go to your father and yeah. you know that what your father said, that that was true, you know? Yeah. And so they, 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 my, my kids understand that is that what daddy says is true. And so, yeah. you know, if I say we ain't going to do that, we ain't going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, Tony, for a lot of reasons, you know? Um, so it, I, my brain has like three different things I want to touch on. And one of them is um, the God, the God we serve as a man of his word. And it's, I feel, especially as children, it's so much easier to believe that when you have a, a, a physical father, a natural father that is a man of his word, right? They say, this is what's going to happen. This is the truth. And this is what I do to, to praise our God. Like, and they see it, it and you're a man of your word for the commitments you've made to the kingdom and to our father. Um, you see it and you believe it. And that's kind of how faith happens, right? Faith is, faith is um, not seeing, but believing, but as children, that's really hard to conceptualize, especially young ch children. They don't understand that, you know, the under the understanding of that, you know, God isn't here in the physical realm, so I can't see him. So how do I believe he's how do I believe he's real? But it's like if our fathers, our actual fathers, um, walk in that and and we see it, it's it it helps that I think you know um, relationship with their heavenly father grow a lot. And um, I. I commend you for that because I just you talk about Josiah being in school and telling people that witches are real. And it's like that, that's what I pray and hope my kids do one day. Like they're, you know, disciples in our, in our schools and they're telling people about, you know, our Lord and our savior and that um, there is such thing as, you know, evil spirits, but, you know, we can overcome those with the power of, of our father. And um, it's great in the wisdom that he puts in us and, our, and the faith that he has, you know, we talked about the armor of God a couple of episodes ago and just sort of um, putting that on daily. And what does that look like? Because I don't know how you feel. I feel like we probably think the same thing, but it's like, I, you know, this, I've never really been a big fan of Halloween, but the past couple of years I've really not been a big fan and I won't even like dress up and stuff. And it's not a very religious thing, but it's like, there's so much like demonic activity on that day or that weekend that like we fight spiritual warfare every single day. Like I have to like armor on every single day and fight it for ministry purposes, for my personal purposes, for my own destiny, that to do it um, in, in, in heighten that, that day even more, I'm just like, bro, I'm just going to stay home. Like to me, it's, I'd rather intercede from home and pray for, for everything happening that weekend versus celebrate it, you know, glorify it, um, and all that jazz. So good for hey, you. I like it for the candy. I, I love it for the candy. I'll, I'll celebrate Halloween all day long to grab and steal me some candy. No, I'm just kidding. No, we actually have a friend that's a Christian now. Um, she was actually in a coven and she said that there's specific days that they would do their enchantments. Um, why? Because of the, 
the 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 something about the tide of the of the of the water and stuff all that brings like energy and you know vibration and whatever and so yeah i mean i actually believe that there are specific days that witches and warlocks and all them you know do that and that's why i believe that it is so imperative that you have to teach your children how to be naturally supernatural how to manifest and invade the kingdom and 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 show it now you know because i mean there's all these kids that you know think that you know magic is real and this is real and that's real and this is okay to be cool but what about manifesting the kingdom one thing that, that i was big on was like everybody's like man we need to get the ten commandments back in school we need to get the ten commandments back in school well, what about if you get the kingdom in your children and they manifest it and then the ten commandments come what if what would happen if we would teach our children how to prophesy how to walk in the word of knowledge the word of wisdom how to heal the sick you know um there's all these you know um stories you know with throughout pentecostal history where there's children walking in the supernatural power of god you know where there's children manifesting the power of god you know and i believe we can do that now um i believe that i'm doing that with with my children is that i'm showing i'm allowing them to have a natural life to where they can play Fortnite, they can you know go around and ride you know their bikes and scrape up their knee and fall down and cry daddy daddy and i go and save them to, and then they can still cast out devils they can still heal the sick they, they actually cry when i tell them no y'all can't go up to the altar to pray you know pastor has certain people praying or there's certain people praying they will literally cry because they can't pray for people and that that makes me happy as a father you know that 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 i i, I raised them to 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 um be be vessels for the kingdom uh, yeah and, and I, that, that but yeah that, that's that's awesome i love that man well guys that wraps up part one of tony's episode on fathering a fatherless generation thank you all so much for joining stay tuned for part two